Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17, verse 22 through 31, 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 13 through 22, the Gospel according to John, chapter 14, verse 15 through 21, and Psalm 66, verse 7 through 18. Open our minds, warm our hearts, but also bend our wills, for we seek to hear your word. Amen. There's a little place around the corner from my house that has the best Mother's Day cards ever. There are brightly colored, glitter-encrusted floral designs and heartwarming, poetic confessions of unrelenting love and devotion. There are cards with kittens and butterflies and depictions of little chocolate truffles, which you know, all moms love those. And the best part is, these cards only cost 75 cents a piece. Which means you can get one for your mom and your grandmother for $1.25 plus tax. For those of you who have not yet discovered the card selection at your local Dollar Tree, I entreat you to make a trip. You are sure to see both suffering and hope in the midst of everyday life in that place. A few years back, I made a small pilgrimage to my local Dollar Tree to get my Mother's Day cards. And I, of course, picked up a few other things on my way to the register. Satin ribbon for gift wrapping, my favorite reusable washcloth with the mesh on the one side, some hair ties, duct tape, a poster board for a school project, and a pack of double mint gum just for good measure. I was next in line as I stared down the slow-moving conveyor belt toward a small stack of grocery items that the man in front of me was purchasing for his household. You'd be surprised at the good stuff you can find in that back left corner of the Dollar Tree across from the glassware. As I dug into the bottom of my bag for my wallet, I looked up and caught a glimpse of the woman working the register. Something was off. I'd never seen a black woman turn so pale so quickly. And I could tell in an instant she was not okay as her eyes slow blinked and tried to focus on the screen in front of her. 
Are you okay? I asked her. It was clearly a rhetorical question. I got to the other side of the register just before she grew faint and nearly passed out in my arms. Somebody get some water and a manager, I cried out to no particular person. As I sat her down in a chair just off to the side, I could feel the relief pouring out of her pores at the simple act of just sitting down to rest for a moment. Did you have breakfast this morning, I asked her. No. Do you have any medical conditions or allergies? Is it okay if I help you? Years of lifeguard training made questions like this second nature. And she shook her head, no, I don't have any medical conditions or allergies, but yes, you can try to help me. I'm just really tired, she said. I just had a baby. You just had a baby? I repeated, not for her confirmation, but for my own. When did you have a baby? A few days ago, she replied. A few days ago? Again, I was trying to wrap my conscious mind around the reality of her situation. This woman had just given birth and she was already back at work on her feet for several hours a day without the luxury of even considering that this necessity of life could actually threaten her ability to live. I stayed with her there until her sister came to get her and then spoke with the manager at length about store policy and medical leave and hourly wages for their employees, which she, of course, had very little control of and felt helpless to challenge as the minimum wage is a state policy and maternal leave a luxury not afforded to most working-class women in our country. In the United States of America, one of the wealthiest nations in the world, this was not possible for her. My little paper cards felt like little consolation for what the women in our lives go through to birth new life into this world. Who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? Peter asks. Another rhetorical question. Because the answer is that a lot of people probably will. Our reading from Peter today asks us to appeal to God for a good conscience. 
appeal to God for a good conscience without fear of retribution from powerful people who try to hide from the suffering of others. Appeal to God for a good conscience. Consciousness being an awareness of God. And a good conscience being the act of doing something about our awareness of God. Today's letter from Peter implores us to see God, to see God in neighbor and stranger, and to give our best efforts toward ensuring that all of God's children know by word and deed the truth of their belovedness. This is not about paying lip service to a problem which we have the power to change. It's about showing up in our bodies to stand with the oppressed, to vote for their liberation, and to relinquish the excess of resources which we hoard for our own comfort and security. This past week, I went to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and attended a national gathering of Christian leaders on the topic of unity in the church. And I found suffering and hope in that place, too. A group of men led beautiful prayers about their devotion to Mary, the mother of God. And then they turned around and argued and defended their right to decide how women should conceive and bear children. None of which honor poor, unwed teenage mothers from backwater towns like the one that our Savior was born into. I watched as pastors struggled with the reality of losing their livelihood in order to love their queer congregants and publicly voice their desire to see their full inclusion in the church in sacrament and daily life. And I myself had to fight for a seat at a table of powerful men who pushed their dirty dishes toward me, assuming I was the server at their fancy lunch in the hotel ballroom. I was made aware of all the big and little ways that the church struggles to be conscious of God in their midst and then to respond appropriately. Our faith is meant to move us 
to give an accounting for the hope that is within us. Our faith is meant to hear the words of the Magnificat and recognize it as a radical upheaval of a social system of oppression and not as a sweet little song sung by a meek and mild virgin. Our faith is meant to help us see that even in the depths of hell, God will come to us and find us and claim us as her own. I'm sure many of you saw that last week our U.S. Surgeon General recently declared a national endemic of loneliness, isolation, and lack of connection in the United States of America. This should not be among us. Solidarity and community needed more now than ever before in our lifetime. And the Christian witness is the antidote for this type of disease. Where we are, where the people of God show up, people should hear a message of hope and solidarity in their struggle. They should not wonder if anyone will love them or notice their pain or their exhaustion, or their anger at injustice. They should know that where Christians are is a place where all people belong. And our hearts, too, should serve as a place of welcome. This church should serve as a place of welcome. And we are blessed when we see it so. Christians are people who believe that in the midst of what seems like an insurmountable problem, when things seem too big for us, when it all feels dark and lost, we are the people who burst into that reality and say, there is something more here. We have a God of resurrection. We are Easter people, not Good Friday people. We don't stay there. We show up with a word of hope, and we show up to be Christ in the world. So I beg you, like Paul's letter to the Ephesians, to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you are called. To be who you are. I saw a man picking up trash on my way to church this morning. Do that. It can be as simple as that. I saw mothers marching down Wasson Way yesterday. 
against gun violence. Do that. I saw a very powerful white man stand up in support of a resolution at our diocesan convention to give mothers in the Episcopal Church, employees of the Episcopal Church, a minimum, a minimum of 10 weeks maternity leave. Do that. Do the work and pray. Pray that your eyes will be opened to see God at work in the world. Pray that in times of struggle, you will recall the life of Jesus and what he did and what he stood for. And be attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit who will speak to you and move you toward love in small and generous ways and without fear. knowing that Jesus is with you and that he reminds us that we will do even greater things than he has done, for he is with us always unto the ages of ages. Amen.